0: Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast! <laughs> it's October 25th, 2022, and that means there's only two months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the history of everyone's favorite Christmas charity, Toys for Tots. We'll also take some time to honor a lost legend Count down the top five Christmas movie villains We'll recast the Santa Claus Continue to sing the praises of Underneath the Tree And I'll give you a chance to win a cool Christmas prize Okay, let's start the show! Dual Believers, I'm Tim Babb, and you have found the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, the show all about Christmas history, Christmas traditions, Christmas media, and everything else Christmas. I don't know about you, but I'm really starting to feel the Christmas spirit building now. I mean, I'm still in full Halloween mode, but I'm seeing and hearing more Christmas in the world every day. Ain't no stopping us now, y'all. But before we actually get to our first segment today, friend of the show, Alonzo Giralde, reminded me that the first segment of each episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is inspired by someone who just passed away and it would only be right to pay tribute to her on the show. Recently, we lost one of the greats. Angela Lansbury. Besides being a genuine Hollywood legend and star of stage and screen with classics like Bedknobs and Broomsticks, The Manchurian Candidate, and of course the long-running series Murder, She Wrote, the late Mrs. Lansbury has lent her talents to a number of Christmas projects over the years, some of them fairly recently. In 2018, she co-starred with fellow national treasure Dick Van Dyke in a movie called Buttons, A Christmas Tale. That same year, she provided a voice for Illuminations' The Grinch. And speaking of voices, she reprised her role as Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast in the 1997 Christmas movie beauty and the beast and enchanted christmas the year before that she starred in the title role of the 1996 film mrs santa claus but perhaps the biggest mark she made on christmas wasn't a christmas movie at all angela lansbury originated the role of mame in the broadway musical of the same name and that's why i bring her up before this segment the musical mame has a song in it that's become a christmas staple and is also the title of our first segment so while typically I have the Muppets lead us into the segment, I would like to turn things over to Mrs. Lansbury today for a woefully inadequate tribute to her as she sings the words that are in all of our hearts. We need a little Christmas. Now. So we need- So for today's Christmas Now tip, might I suggest enjoying some Angela Lansbury Christmas goodness in her honor? Beauty and the Beast's Enchanted Christmas is streaming on Disney+. I couldn't find anywhere that the button movie is for free, but it looks like you can rent it on... Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anywhere that The Button Movie is streaming for free, but it looks like you can rent it from places like Amazon Prime, Apple TV, and Redbox. Mrs. Santa Claus is free on Pluto TV, Crackle, and Amazon Prime. And I've put links to where you can hear her original Broadway recording of Need a Little Christmas Now in the show notes of this episode. Thank you, Angela Lansbury. You've left a big mark on entertainment in general, and Christmas in particular. And now we move on to our next segment, Five Golden Things. It's almost Halloween. Unlike Christmas, a holiday that celebrates all that is light and joy, Halloween celebrates all that is dark and spooky. So, in the spirit of our sinister sister holiday, I thought today we could count down the top five Christmas movie villains. (laughs) That's a nice evil laugh. Thanks, imaginary listener. That sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. Kind of ruined the mood, though. It's going to transition straight into the countdown with that laugh. Wow. This is awkward. Yeah. Should I go? Uh, maybe you should. Sorry. I'll, I'll hit the sound cue on my way out. Appreciate it. Number five. Oogie Boogie from The Nightmare Before Christmas.
0: It's hopeless. You're finished. You haven't got a plan! Because I'm Mr. Oogie Boogie and you ain't going nowhere.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Halloween, this movie has a little something for lovers of both holidays. And in a movie filled with skeletons, witches, and monsters, Oogie Boogie manages to stand out as the scariest one of them all. Maybe it's because he's a big wad of bugs wrapped in a burlap sack with a mouth, but for me, it's the Oogie Boogie song that puts him on my list of favorite Christmas movie villains. Number four. Mayor Augustus Mayhew from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. tell you people one thing. Invite the Grinch. Destroy Christmas.
0: Invite the Grinch! Destroy Christmas! But did anyone listen to me? I did. No. You choose to listen to a little
1: not to be taken seriously girl. This guy is a jerk. He bullies the Grinch so much that he leaves town and lives on a deserted mountain. Mayor Mayhu is mean to Cindy Lou. He doesn't respect Martha Mayhu's agency. Like, do you realize how big a jerk you have to be to be in a movie with a character that steals Christmas and you're the bad guy?
0: Number three.
1: The Wet Bandits from Home Alone.
0: You did it again, didn't you? You left the water running, didn't you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I told you not to do it. Harry, it's our calling card. All the great ones leave their mark We're the wet bandits You're sick, you know that? You're really
1: sick
0: I'm not sick I'm not sick That's a sick thing to do
1: On one hand, these guys are kind of goofy and likable On the other hand, they're going around robbing people And ruining their homes with water damage They were even going to bite Kevin McAllister's fingers off Towards the end of that movie Not cool dudes, not cool at all Number two Hans Gruber from Die Hard. That's the FBI. They're ordering the others to cut the building's power. Regular as clockwork. Or a time lock. Precisely. The circuits that cannot be cut are cut
0: automatically in response to a terrorist incident. You asked for miracles, Theo. I give you the FBI.
1: Yes, it's a Christmas movie. We spent a whole year on this in 2016. Moving on. Hans Gruber is not only one of the best Christmas movie villains, he's one of the best movie villains, period. Alan Rickman is fantastic in this role. He's evil, but still oddly charming at the same time. There's a lot of reasons people love this movie, and Alan Rickman's performance as Hans Gruber is definitely chief among them. Honorable. Scrooge from any of the zillion adaptations of A Christmas Carol. I'm putting Scrooge on the honorable mention list because I don't know if he's actually quote-unquote a villain. He clearly does bad things when we first meet him, but it's a redemption story. Seems unfair to call Scrooge a villain once you reach the end of these movies. And along the same lines, I'm putting The Grinch here too. Does he steal Christmas? Yes. Or technically no. But you know what I mean. He steals stuff, but then he puts it all back. So again, is he technically a villain? These are questions that the philosophers will have to grapple with while we move on to Number one. Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life.
0: Look at you. You used to be so cocky. You were going to go out and conquer the world. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. What are you with a warped, frustrated young man? Miserable little clerk crawling in here on your hands and knees and begging for help. No securities, no stocks, no bonds, nothing but a miserable little 500 dollar equity and a life insurance policy. (laughs) You're worth more dead than alive.
1: It's a Wonderful Life does a great job of inspiring feelings of joy and love for your fellow humans, but it also inspires a white-hot burning hate for the character of Mr. Potter, just an evil, crotchety old coot, and worst of all, he gets away with essentially stealing $8,000 from the Bailey Building and Loan. I know the dude is in a wheelchair, but he can still catch these hands. You hear me, Potter? If I'm rolling through Bedford Falls, it's on sight. It's on sight. You know what you did. Tim, 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 Tim take it down a notch he's fictional right sorry sorry got carried away but that's my list what do you think did i leave out your favorite christmas movie villain let me know shoot me an email at christmas at tancast.com speaking of hearing from you let's open up santa bab's mailbag santa bab he is gonna read some emails from you or tweets Or Facebook messages to Santa Bab. He is opening up his mailbag tonight. So, I got a particular message a few times the last week or so. Like this one from Ron, who says, Got your new advent calendar right here. Or this one from Shannon. Have you seen this advent calendar? You should do a segment on advent calendars. Or this one from Glenn. I don't know if this is a legit seller, but I thought of you when I saw it. LOL. More proof. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. If you haven't figured it out yet, it's an advent calendar based on Die Hard. Specifically, it's in the shape of the Nakatomi building. Hans Gruber, whom we mentioned earlier, is falling, and you moving down one floor every day for 24 days. On the upside, that's a pretty cool concept for an advent calendar. On the downside, it doesn't appear to have any chocolate in it. So, you know, how good can it be? I'm putting a link to it in the show notes so you can check it out, but I want to say this is not an endorsement. Just something that looks interesting. Not saying you gotta go buy it or nothing. Uh, A special thanks to all the folks who pointed this out to make sure I wouldn't miss it. Dipping back into the mailbag, I have a letter from Meredith who says, Hi Tim, long-time listener, first-time writer. I wanted to share with you an idea I had for Christmas gifts that encourages spending time with your loved ones. Here's what I'm doing for Christmas gifts this year, and I thought someone else out there who is struggling to think of Christmas gift ideas could benefit from this. I'm sure I'm not the first one to do this, but I was pretty excited when I thought about it. For all the adults in my family, I'm getting them a Christmas cookie jar. So far, I've bought a Grinch cookie jar, a Gingerbread Man cookie jar, a Snowman cookie jar, and a Santa cookie jar. You can actually find great quality ceramic cookie jars for around $50 or less. But here's the catch. Instead of just gifting my family these Christmas-themed cookie jars, my boyfriend and I are going to spend time together making homemade Christmas cookies to fill them with. So, on Christmas Day, they'll be getting homemade cookies and a cookie jar that they can use for years to come. Hopefully, they'll carry on the tradition with their family and fill the jar with their own cookies next christmas it's the perfect balance of something new and something homemade thanks meredith that is a great idea now are you going with the same cookies for everyone or do you know which people like which cookies best no matter what this is a really fun and personal gift idea thanks for sharing it with the class now we can all pretend we thought of it ourselves unless our loved ones are listening to the show Uh uh-oh cheese it move on to the next letter before they put two and two together (laughs) <laughs> this last letter comes to us from Stephanie, all the way from Denmark, Who? Oh, should I try and read this in a Danish accent? No, you absolutely should not. Fair enough. Okay, here's what Stephanie says. Hi Tim, thank you for a great podcast. I've been listening from the beginning. I'm one of those listeners who doesn't listen during the year, but when Christmas spirit kicks in around September, I put on the January episode and catch up. I just heard your latest episode about the Kelly Clarkson song Underneath the Tree, and I was surprised to hear that the radio stations in the US doesn't play it. I'm from Denmark, and here this is one of the most played songs on the radio around Christmas. It's on top of the list together with songs like All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey and Last Christmas by Wham. So, not everyone forgot about this amazing Christmas song. That's all for me. Keep up the great work with this podcast, and go Yule. Merry Christmas in Danish. All the best, Stephanie. Thanks, Stephanie. Now, first off, I'm sorry if I misrepresented the play that Underneath the Tree gets. It does get played on the radio and whatnot plenty, but it hasn't reached that tipping point like some other songs. When you think of Christmas music, you think of the three C's, Crosby, Cole, and Carey. I'm here to tell you there's a fourth C that should be on your Christmas list this and every year, Clarkson. Underneath the Tree has amazing vocals, bopping tempo, and festive vibes that will fill you with Christmas spirit well into the new year. So download it, stream it, or request it on the radio so we can get Underneath the Tree at the top of the charts. I'm Tim Babb from the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, and I approve this message. What are you doing? Sorry, Stephanie. Kind of used your letter to get on a bit of a soapbox there. Thanks for writing. And now, this part of the show is where I would usually play a quick word from one of the other podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. But today I'm doing something a little different that might just involve you winning a prize. You see, November 1st is Christmas Podcast Day, and Christmas podcasters everywhere will be doing fun and exciting things all day long. And the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast is no exception. We're going to have a bonus episode on November 1st where I'll have a chat with one of the greatest Christmas podcasters out there, Brian Earle from Christmas Past. It's funny, our two shows have often talked about the same topics, but it's a completely different vibe. Brian has described Christmas Past by saying it's like if NPR did a Christmas podcast, whereas I like to describe this show as if Last Week Tonight was all about Christmas and John Oliver was 75% less talented. But Brian will not just be here to talk about his podcast, he's also got a book coming out on November 1st. The book is called Christmas Past, The Fascinating Stories Behind Our Favorite Holidays Traditions. And not only will he be here to talk about it, he's given me a copy to give away all you have to do is tell me you want it just go to your social media of choice facebook twitter instagram tiktok and proclaim that you would love a copy of christmas past the fascinating stories behind our favorite holidays traditions the new book that drops november 1st be sure to tag us in the post so we can see it we're at can't wait for christmas pod on facebook instagram and tiktok or just christmas pod on twitter then tune in for our bonus episode on november 1st to see if you've won for more information on the book, you can visit christmaspasspodcastcom slash book, which will be in the show notes of this episode. 2022 is the 75th anniversary of Toys for Tots. Now, if you're listening from anywhere other than America, that may not have the same impact as if you grew up here in the States. Toys for Tots is a wonderful charity that brings toys to underprivileged children every Christmas. They're all over here on Christmas. In fact, when I used to work for a radio station, we had an annual event called Stuff the Bus where we would do a live broadcast from Christmas in the Park and people could drop off toys all day and we'd try and get that bus stuffed with toys. But I do remember the first year I did it being surprised that the U.S. Marines were involved. You didn't know the Marines were involved with Toys for Tots? Don't judge me, imaginary listener, that sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. That was before I learned how the whole thing got started. I didn't know the story of Toys for Tots. So, in case there's anybody else like me out there, on the occasion of Toys for Tots' 75th anniversary, I thought I'd share what I've learned about the story of Toys for Tots.
0: The Marines have always been known for saving the day.
1: From Montezuma to Tripoli. From Kaysan to Iwo Jima. Perhaps the most important day they've ever saved has been Christmas
0: with Toys for Tots. This year, give a new unwrapped toy for Christmas and help the Marine Corps Reserve save the day again. Like so
1: much of our modern Christmas, the story of Toys for Tots begins around World War II. Specifically, the aftermath of the war. Yes, the war was over, and yes, we'd won, but there were many members of our armed forces who made the ultimate sacrifices to pay for that victory, and plenty of broken families as a result, which meant there were a lot of kids and families that were struggling. In the run-up to Christmas in 1947 Los Angeles, this inspired Diane Hendricks to want to help. She handcrafted a Raggedy Ann doll and asked her husband to give it to a charity that helped out needy children. Unfortunately, her husband couldn't find one.
0: Well, uh, the rag doll was a very handsome rag doll my wife Diane had made, and uh, she wanted some youngster to have it. And uh, I found out very quickly that there was no organized effort in Los Angeles to supply toys for kids who might otherwise be forgotten. And she said, "Why don't you start one?" And uh, it seemed like a good idea.
1: Now, I feel like that for most husbands, starting a whole charity is a pretty big item to add to your honey-do list. But Diane's husband wasn't one to shy away from a challenge. He was Warner Brothers Studio Executive and United States Marine Corps Reserve Major Bill Hendricks. He mobilized a few dozen Marines in his reserve unit, and his friends in the media launched a widespread publicity campaign. And with only two weeks left before Christmas that year, they managed to round up about 5,000 used toys, which they delivered to local children up till 11.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve. A pretty remarkable achievement, to be sure, and it did not go unnoticed. The newly sworn-in Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Clifton B. Gates, wanted to support and expand the program beyond Los Angeles the next year. He made the endeavor an official activity of the Marine Corps and the mission of the Marine Corps Reserve. But now we're getting serious. This isn't just some local project anymore. It needs a name and branding. Fortunately, Hendrix was working at Warner Brothers at the time, and so he knew some people in Hollywood, including a dude named, let me make sure I'm reading this right, yes, Walt Disney. I don't know, perhaps you've heard of him? He had a fairly well-known movie studio back in the day. Everyone knows who Walt Disney is, Tim. I know, I was trying to do a thing. Forget it. Anyway, Hendricks was talking with Walt about how he didn't know what to call this thing or have any logo or anything to unify this if it was going to be a national program. A few days later, Hendricks got something in the mail. Walt had had his people create a poster for the program, including a logo, three train cars and one word in each car, toys, for tots. Obviously, the name stuck, and the train logo is still used to this day. So in 1948, the newly christened Toys for Tots goes beyond Los Angeles and Marines at each reserve center throughout the United States conduct toy collection and distribution campaigns in the communities surrounding their centers. The program was a success and continued to grow every year. Boosted, I'm sure in no small part, by celebrity endorsements from the likes of John Wayne, Debbie Reynolds, Frank Sinatra, Anne Margaret, Jimmy Stewart, Joan Crawford, Johnny Carson, Jimmy Durante, Savvy Davis Jr., Barbara Eden, and Bing Crosby. Hey, did somebody say Bing Crosby? (sighs) Alleged ghost of Bing Crosby now is not really a great time. But you didn't even mention the theme song. Theme song? Yeah. In 1956, Sammy Fain and Paul Webster wrote the theme song for Toys for Tots. And it was later sung by my good buddy
0: Nat King Cole. Toys
1: for Tots.
0: Toys for Tots. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of Toys for Tots. Toys, toys, toys for tots You can be a Santa If you will lend a hand Yes, siree, there never will be an empty stocking in the land somehow. Okay,
1: that was a good addition. Thanks for the help. Don't mention it, baby. Soon, Toys for Tots drives were happening all over America, including major events like in 1962 when the New York Yankees held a Bring a Toy game. They were the first, but not the last. The NFL, the NBA, the NHL, pretty much all major sports have supported Toys for Tots. Now, originally... Toys for Tots would collect new and used toys to distribute, but by the late 70s, the time and effort it took to refurbish the used toys was becoming a strain on the program and impeding their ability to distribute them. So, as of 1980, they only accepted new toys. By the 90s, it was clear that the operation needed to have a whole separate foundation outside of the Marine Corps. So the Marine Toys for Tots Foundation was established, a separate entity that would coordinate with the Marine Corps Reserves. However, for some reason, their offices were in New York for several years before they finally realized they should move them right next door to the Marine Corps base in Quantico, Virginia, in 2001. Also that year, they hosted special events for children who had lost parents in the September 11th attacks on New York and Washington, D.C., It's not the only time they've helped outside of Christmas. After hurricanes and floods and things like that, you will often find Toys for Tots there to help the children in those communities. It should also be noted that despite its name, Toys for Tots does more than just toys. In 2008, they partnered with UPS to launch the Toys for Tots literacy program, where you can donate money that goes to buying new books for underprivileged children. Since its inception, the program has distributed 47 million books to kids who need them. But year after year, the program continues to reach more and more kids who need it. In 2021, they were able to give toys to 8.7 million children, which sounds impressive. But this year, for their 75th anniversary, they've been given the goal of reaching 10 million children. But how will they do it? How does the Toys for Tots program work? Why let old Bing explain? Why would I let old Bing explain? Because I've done it before, baby. What? Trust me, roll that beautiful Bing footage.
0: Da-da-da-dee-dee-dee, dee da da, da, de, 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 da, da. <laughs> This is Ben Crosby, and I guess you're wondering why I'm in this getup. Well, I'm involved in a little Western masquerade over here at 20th Century Fox called Stagecoach. But the purpose of this uh, chat is, is very real. As real as Marine Gunnery Sergeant Maffioli here. And we're going to join him now in the Toys for Tots campaign, which is sponsored by the Marine Corps Reserve. Now, in your community, you'll find these very attractive little barrels placed at different strategic points, and we'd like you to fill them with new toys for the underprivileged children of your community. Yes, Christmas, you know, is a time of great joy, happy tidings, but a lot of underprivileged children are gonna miss out unless you help, unless you help the Marine Corps Reserve in this very, very laudable effort. So, please help. Thank you, and a Merry Christmas.
1: Well, thanks, Bing of the past, who for some reason sounds almost nothing like your alleged ghost. Let's just flesh that out with a little more information straight from the Toys for Tots website. Local toy collection campaigns begin in October and last until mid to late December. Toy distribution also takes place in mid to late December. Members of the community drop new unwrapped toys in collection boxes positioned in local businesses. Coordinators pick up these toys and store them in central warehouses where the toys are sorted by age and gender. At Christmas, coordinators with the assistance of local social welfare agencies, church groups, and other local community agencies distribute the toys to the less fortunate children of the community. If you visit the Toys for Tots website, toysfortots.org, you'll find out how you can donate, or if you have a business, you can learn how you can be a drop-off point for Toys for Tots yourself. I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes so you can check it out. And if you happen to live in the California Bay Area, the Stuff the Bus event I mentioned at the top of this segment, it's happening again this year. Yes, even though my old radio station has changed formats twice and fired all the DJs, they won't be there. But the Toys for Tots magic goes on. It's going to be Saturday, December 10th from 9 to 5 at Christmas in the Park. I'll put another link to that in the show notes. So again, if you're in the Bay Area, you can check that out. And if you're doing a Toys for Tots toy drive this year, let me know so I can shout it out on the show. Remember, they're trying to help 10 million kids this year during a rough year after a pretty consistent string of rough years. So if you can, it'll always feel good to put a smile on a child's face with Toys for Tots.
0: Santa works hard to deliver presents to children everywhere. But he can't do it alone. This Christmas, help a needy child by donating a new unwrapped toy to Toys for Tots. Call your local Marine Corps Reserves unit for a drop-off point near you
1: now it's time for our final segment, which all year I've been calling ReCastmas time, but now has a new name. Merry Castmas! Movies and shows can be cast many ways Mary Castmas from you I'm asking you to recast the movies and specials we know and love every Christmas to see if we can make something new, exciting, or at the very least, interesting. Last time we did this, I tasked you with coming up with an alternate cast for Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Let's see what you came up with, starting with Justin, who says, Here are my picks for the recastmas of The Santa Claus. Bill Murray as Scott Calvin. Karen Allen as Laura Miller. Bob Saget as Dr. Neil Miller. Angus T. Jones as Charlie. Peter McNichol as Bernard. And Miranda Cosgrave as Judy that's some great stuff bill murray would totally change the dynamic of this movie but i think i would like to see his take on it and bob zagat would be such a good Neil, perfect and for bernard i like the extra meta humor of swapping david Crumholtz for peter mcnichol since they were both co-stars on the show numbers back in the day not sure if that was intentional but it brought me some joy thanks justin now let's hear from dave hey there tim mr bab his babness uh t- tim is fine dave Or, should I say, Sir Dave's a lot. Anyway, back to your email. I labored away at a cast for a remake of The Santa Claus during my lunch break. In the role of Scott Calvin, I think Brett Goldstein would fit. Before he played the gruff Roy Kent on Ted Lasso, he was known for cheeriness. I think he can toe the lines well. In the role of Charlie, I lean towards Alan Kim. He's a very endearing young actor from Minari, and it would be great to see his career continue to blossom. For Laura, I would like Constance Wu. She's an actor I know is somewhat controversial, but I believe she deserves redemption, if she ever needed it in the first place. A role like this would be great, because she could take a thinner character like Laura and make her a lot more dynamic with her acting talents. For Neil, I can't get Jake Johnson out of my mind. Judge Reinhold is an entertaining aspect of the first film, and I think his exhausted persona could be a fun twist on the buttoned-up Neil. For Bernard, I have Quinta Brunson. She probably deserves a lead role in a movie, to be honest, but I would love to see how she'd run the North Pole. Maybe Crumholtz can make a cameo somewhere. And rounding out the cast, I have Haunting of Hill House Star Makina Grace as Judy the Elf, Wendy Crewson as Judy the Waitress in another innocuous cameo. Oh, that's a good one. Former Fox broadcaster Joe Buck as Scott's boss, Mr. Whittle. Trim and Briar Patch star Kim Dickens as the lead detective, and community star and Oscar-winning screenwriter Jim Rash as the principal. I'd certainly watch that cast take on the story. Maybe the story can have an entirely new identity, too. Either way, thanks for the fun prompt and have a great day. Best, Dave. I love it when y'all come up with a cast I never would have thought of in a million years. And I agree with you, Dave. I totally watched this cast take on the Santa Claus. Now, our final recast missing comes from Blake. And buckle up, my friends, because Blake, as you kids say, understood the assignment. Hopefully I'm not too late to get in on this round of recastmas. I'm a long-time listener but never emailed before. The Santa Claus was such a formative movie as someone born in the late 80s that I just couldn't pass up the chance. Overall, the strategy would be to keep the more grounded nature of the story. Grounded? Like falling off the roof. Eh, I'll leave the jokes to you. Uh, there's no point in leaving the jokes to me. I will mess them up anyway. Anyway, back to your letter. But also, seed in future storylines to give the trilogy a more cohesive feel. That's why you see the principal in the first movie replaced by Carol in what would amount to a one-scene cameo prior to a co-starring role in future movies. You'll also find Mother Nature in my cast as a post credit stinger teasing a bigger world for Scott Santa. Think Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man. Finally, you'll also see Jason Frank. Who is Jason Frank, you might ask? Jason is the name I've given to the guy pitching the total tank to Scott's company that Scott takes umbrage with. But the twist is that he's actually Jack Frost, who underwent reverse of the sanctification process and gave up his magical life to go into the human world and make money and be greedy. Jack would be mentioned a couple of times at the North Pole, but otherwise, this is a deep seed for part three. As for my casting strategy, I tried to cast realistically with a studio budget in mind. Instead of spending a ton of money on one or two stars, I tried to spread it out with more of an ensemble cast, though one that still has some bigger names attached. Scott Calvin, Jason Sudeikis. Especially in the first movie, Scott was an everyman. He was funny, but also there was an innate sadness about him. Divorced Dad, Lonely, Cover the Pain with Humor. If you've ever seen Ted Lasso, you know that Jason Sudeikis is the king of sad clown motif. His warmth and humor would bring an awesome added layer to Scott that could make the role his own without making it feel like a drama. Charlie Calvin? Christian Convery. Admittedly, casting the child part is the hardest. Ideally, I would have aged down a bit, but the best choice I could think of was Christian Convery, who played the innocence of the eponymous Sweet Tooth perfectly on Netflix. Laura Miller, Jenny Slate. Though younger than Wendy Cruson in the original, she's perfect foil for Sudeikis and could more than hold her own with him. Jenny Slate excels at vulnerable yet sharp that this role demands. Laura wasn't a villain. She was a good mom who had no way of knowing Santa wasn't real. She can nail that warmth and sweetness with a dash of anger. Dr. Neil Miller, Zach Galifianakis. Much like the original, I was looking for a former star who was very famous for a few years about 10 years ago for this role, a la Judge. Zack has the perfect big stepdad energy and could easily play the trying hard but kind of smarmy father replacement. Not a bad guy and can take on more positive role in future films. Bernard the Elf, Donald Glover. Did you know Donald Glover is 38? That's insane. He still looks like he could pass for his early 20s. And that's what I want in the role of Bernard, someone old enough to appear as an elder elf leader but still have younger features to not be jarring. Donald Glover can absolutely play the gruff, reluctant leader while having that warmth in him to make him a fan favorite. Judy the Elf. Kimiko Glenn. I'm elevating Judy to number two elf in place of Curtis's sudden appearance in part two, so she's a bigger part from the beginning. Much like Bernard, I wanted to cast someone young-looking enough to pass for an elder elf, but old enough to where it doesn't seem like they've aged between movies. Kimiko is a fantastic actress from Broadway that certainly fits the bill. She's also a great singer. If you've seen the Netflix show Centaur World, you'll know what I mean. Mr. Whittle, Scott's boss, Tim Allen. Probably a little too wink into the camera, but everyone loves a reboot with an original cast member popping up. It's a small role with only a couple of scenes, and Alan can do it in honor of the late, great Peter Boyle. Carol Newman, Jennifer Goodwin. With this being a one scene in the first movie, this can't be a triple-A actress in the role. So I look for someone similar to Elizabeth Mitchell when Santa Claus 2 came out. Namely, someone recognizable that the general public may not know the name of, but know the face. Now, that's not me. I adore Jennifer Goodwin and have since Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. But she's far enough removed from her star turn in Once Upon a Time to fit the bill. Plus, she can play the quietly stern principal Newman and easily transition to the warm Mrs. Claus in future movies. Watch her laugh and tell me she isn't the perfect Mrs. Claus. Jason Frank, FKA, Jack Frost, Neil Patrick Harris. Look, nobody can capture the madcap energy of Martin Short, but especially in the first movie, when he's in human form, he doesn't need to. Neil's a big enough name to grab attention in a cameo, but not so big that he would turn down a small role. He can play greedy, slimy, and corporate for the first movie, and eventually have the presence to revert back to Jack Frost form in Part 3. Though a less zany version, since we Will have had two movies of his existence already, with his role being more akin to John Lithgow in the Santa Claus, the motion picture. Mother Nature, Quinta Brunson, a rising star in the comedy field after winning Emmys for creating, writing, and starring in Abbott Elementary on ABC. She's exceedingly funny and provides an ABC connection to match the Tim Allen home improvement connection in the 90s. Plus, I think it's a funny swerve going from the very tall Aisha Taylor in the role to the pretty short Quinta. I will admit I spent more time on this than I thought I would initially, but it was a fun prompt. Thank you for taking the time to read it, and thanks for your show. Blake from Arkansas, jingle all the way. Amazing, Blake! Just amazing! Great casting ideas, great reworking of the script and trilogy, well thought out and perfectly explained. I have no notes. Well, other than a note of thanks for all of you who sent in your mere recastmas ideas. And now it's time to give you another shot at it. For our next movie, I'm taking a cue from something Blake said and picking a movie that's not exactly beloved, but has plenty of potential for great recastmas ideas. It's that wacky comedy from the early 2000s starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jingle All the Way. A lot of ways you can go with this. Do you cast another tough guy or put a more overtly comic actor in Arnold's place? What about Sinbad's Mailman? But then there's the unenviable task of replacing Phil Hartman. And of course, Rita Wilson is Arnold's wife. This could be super interesting. I can't wait to hear your ideas. Remember, this can use actors from any time period and actors at any point in their career. You can keep it consistent like you're casting in a certain year or pluck any actors or actresses out of the time stream and put them in however you like. Just like the folks you heard from today, you can send your choices in by email, christmas at tancast.com facebook can't wait for christmas pod instagram can't wait for christmas pod tiktok can't wait for christmas pod or twitter where we're just christmas pod let us know who you would put in jingle all the way so we can all have a merry castmas merry castmas from you and that's our show I gave you a lot of homework this episode, so let's go over it real quick. First, you're going to take to social media and post about how you want a copy of Brian Earl's new book, Christmas Past, the fascinating stories behind our favorite holidays traditions. Then, you're going to enjoy some Christmas content that features Angela Lansbury. Then, you're going to spread the word about the song Underneath the Tree so it gets higher up in the charts this year. Then, you're going to check out Toys for Tots to see if you can help this year. Then, you're going to recast Jingle All the Way and send it in to us. And finally, you're going to tune back in on November 1st for our bonus Christmas Podcast Day episode with special guest Brian Earle. Okay, you got a lot to do, so I'll let you get to it, but I'll see you soon. A lot sooner than usual. But in the meantime, you believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2022. Oh.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at Christmas com. We'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are can wait for Christmas pod and on Twitter we are at Christmas pod
1: It's almost Halloween. Now, Halloween, unlike Christmas, is a holiday that celebrates... Oh. Ugh. I write like George Lucas. It's easy to type it, but you can't say it. Here's what I'm doing for Christmas gifts this year, and I thought someone else out there who is struggling to think of a Christmas gift ideas could benefit... Here's what I'm doing for Christmas gifts this year, and I thought someone else out there who is struggling to think of a Christmas gift idea. <laughs> We're going to have a bonus episode on November 1st. We'll all have a... We're going to have a bonus episode. Bonus episode. It's bonus. We're going to have a bonus episode on November 1st where we'll... Why? And now it's time for our final segment, which all year I've been calling Recastmas time, but now has a new... I don't know if you know this. I have flubbed a lot, and it's getting frustrating. Like, there's nobody to be mad at. Like, I wrote it, and I'm talking. There's only two people involved. They're both me and somebody's... Mother Nature? Mother Nature? Hey, it's Mother Nature over here. Hey, what are you doing? It's Mother Nature over here. But in the meantime, Bill, blah, 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 oh no, the last line. I flopped the last line. Ah, no.